welcome back to another episode of People's Stories. I am your host Priyanka Ota. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you have fun listening to the session as well as probably get to know something more about this particular profession. So, yet again, thank you so much for joining. Stay tuned and have fun. Hey guys, a very 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 warm welcome again in another episode of People's Stories. I'm super super thrilled and excited to um to introduce Samarth Bansal to all of you. He is working as an independent journalist uh for around 7 years now and uh he has done his graduation from um IIT Kanpur in maths and computing. But of course he's doing journalism right now so Samarth the floor is all yours. Um how would you introduce yourself where are you from and what has your background been and why journalism now Yeah so thank you Priyanka for having me uh, so I grew up in Delhi uh did schooling high school there then went to Kanpur for my undergrad graduated and came back to Delhi to work at the Hindu uh as in the national bureau as a staff reporter I was uh, so that's how I got into journalism and before we get into that stuff so I uh, really enjoyed writing uh you know of like since college i used to be a blogger i used to write terrible stuff but you know it was like just a mode of expression i didn't even realize you know what i was doing <laughs> and interestingly you know the i started blogging just after i gave my engineering entrance exam i went to play bowling you know a game of bowling with my friends came back and thought you know i want to write about the physics of how bowling operates and that's <laughs> when i just launched a blog right so it was so organic that something just felt you know writing is a mode of expression so i'm saying the seeds of you know something that i really enjoy is writing is something that happened like very organically something i didn't think about and, and how then, old were you uh, at that time that was 17 and you know also like in school i sucked at language so that was never like my like stronghold but still you know <laughs> just it was a mode of expression right yeah, that you yeah, could express okay. yourself with words so that i really enjoyed so yeah but in in university um uh, i like you I like I was really and I still am a very passionate about engineering which people find very counterintuitive that how can you graduate from an engineering college become a journalist and still say you're really into engineering but <laughs> that's how it is right so I wrote a lot of code worked at a startup uh, you know uh, built software for my dorm room uh, back in the day but what happened at the university uh, I was very active in campus issues and student affairs and at some point I started feeling that uh, you know the voice of the larger campus community was not adequately represented mm. and uh, it it just felt that more is needed so in that year you know it was just fascinating because we were about so many issues i could see conversations happening based on our writing people getting excited about issues that were not discussed coming on a platform right so that just gave me a flavor of uh, you know the power of stories and journalism So it was nothing was planned, right? It mm-hmm. was just happening, yeah. and it was just for me a final year interesting thing I was doing, yeah. And I was at the time looking for you know doing something exciting in uh, the world of electronics and software. That was my goal. That you know can I find some innovative product to work on? And I went to a hackathon in Delhi just before my exams at college uh, uh, because I was not really interested in that and went there. Uh, it was a policy hack where we had to solve some government problem using tech. long story short my team won that hackathon mm. and one of the judges in that hackathon was a data editor at the hindu 
Okay, okay. and I, that's when I learned that oh, there is something called as data journalism, where you know someone who is interest, interested in writing code, working with data, uh, writing stories, and interested in public affairs. Right, that's kind of was a profile that a data journalist does, and the Hindu was looking for people who was interested in that kind of role, and that just felt to me like super exciting, and I just wrote to the editor that uh, can we talk. and she said why not come come to the office we can have a chat and that's how that's how it happened you know okay so now um an honest question now you would have a lot of friends that a lot of your friends who would be doing like full blown engineering jobs and you know things that things that you did a graduation in and then do you have this thing ever in your mind what what if i would have you know got on that journey or how they are doing and how you are doing like that kind of comparison does that happen ever not at all like like not like very honestly not even one moment that mm. i think about those questions so i'll tell you like some more background so that this makes more sense to you so in my first year or uh, in my second semester i read an essay by paul graham paul graham is like uh, you know he's like an investor uh and you know widely read by entrepreneurs mm. uh so he wrote an essay where he said that if you ever want to start a company don't work at google because google is so good right it's such a great company that you will never <laughs> want to leave it right and i was i was like 80 and in my second semester and i read it and it just blew a part of my mind that mm. you know okay wow that's a way to think so mm. that moment i decided i am not going to sit for mm. campus placements right so okay. this Where, yeah, right at in my first year, and I decided that yeah. whatever happens, campus placements I will not sit for. So that actually almost relieved all the cognitive burden about you know resumes or what goes into your you know positions of responsibility, things that you have to do. So that comparison board, I it never struck me because I consciously decided that at age of eighteen. Okay, so I I think you are the only person I know who was like hmm. so sure about things, you know, at the age of eighteen. Um, so you have to give me some background. Like, um, you seem to me as a person who is basically um, who who takes a lot, like basically absorb a lot of things, and then you also uh, kind of. you know stick to whatever you've decided which is a little difficult to do in today's time especially when you have like so many options you know and you see so many things and um possibilities so tell me how was the samarth when he was like i don't know in school like when you were beginning to kind of build the thought process and your psychology and those kind of things and how what kind of family mm. background do you have mm, that's a very interesting question and if you think about how to answer it um hmm So did you study from Delhi or were you studying somewhere else? Yeah. I I studied in Delhi so I come from part like I come from North Delhi a uh, small neighborhood you know went to you know school that was not very far from my home uh, and like I tell you one thing which so you see you know when you grow up in upper middle class family right you're always told right from childhood that you know like education is everything mm. right that you have to be good you have to be good you have to compete so there was a phase in my life where competition and you know being like at the top of the class was something that really mattered right mm, yeah. in terms of like all of those things pretty typical uh, growing up in indian household but what was also happening parallelly and i think i would think it would happen sometime after grade 7th or so mm. where i started realizing that you know like i really loved learning and like learning new things and you know experimenting 
and like taking ideas and just implementing it. For example, uh, in fifth grade, you know, when I, you know, when you have your IT class, right? I mean, uh, in school, you know, my teacher came and said that, you know, she had built a website and I was like, so impressed because I had no idea. I was 10 years old that, oh my God, I am learning from a teacher who could build a website. And I thought that, you know, like perhaps a Google founder is, uh, you know, standing in front of me. So, so impressed. And that's, you know, so out, you know, I used to spend time in my computer lab and yeah. figure out, okay, how do you build websites? And, and uh, the curiosity to really, you know, if something hits you, then pursuing it. Mm-hmm. That I think started happening pretty early, like in my early teens. Okay. And gradually develop, you know, like you feel that, you know, your skills are perhaps uh, like you can do much interesting things rather than, you know, just competing about the next exam. Mm. And I think that approach really shaped me in the long run. And I think that also told me that like risk taking, actually, I would say uh, is something that came very naturally to me. I don't know the roots of it, but it is something that uh, was very organic. When I appeared for my engineering entrance, right? Mm. So in, in my, which is like 2010-11, we used to have the IITJ exam mm. and then we, we used to have AIEEE and then there was this big sentence examination, right? All of them. So you know what I did? I just appeared for the J. I did mm. not give any other engineering entrance examination because it, I don't know. I think in retrospect, it was stupid because what if, you know, we never know if I had a bad exam, mm. then what would I do? But were you like super confident that you'll get through J? I was super confident. I was like, yeah, I was like, like, this will happen. (laughs) I don't know what my rank would be, but I will get through, right? But, you know, if you objectively think about it, there's nothing smart about it, right? I mean, we have already done anything. Just go and give another exam, right? So I'm not suggesting that was a, like an intelligent decision, Mm -hmm. but I'm saying that for me, looking back at that decision and it came from nowhere, right? That was like my call. Mm -hmm. It just tells me that there was something about risk taking and like taking bets on myself that I've been doing like since like 16. So yeah. that kind of reflects that attitude. I think is one thing that connects a lot of things have changed in the last 10 years since I graduated from college till today. But I think that thread kind of remains, mm. which I can like seed back, yeah. uh, you know, to school, school time. And how would, so you already mentioned that you belong to the upper middle class background. Yeah. Um, so yeah. basically, money was never a topic that you would have to discuss or think about. So I'll answer that in two ways. One, yes, right? In the sense that uh, I'm fortunate that, you know, I think what happened was that my family, post liberalization, right? 91 liberalization, as I grew up, uh, my family's fortunes, like my dad, whatever he did, it became better as I grew up. Mm-hmm. Right. So what we were when I was like five years old and till 18, that was uh, like, it was very nice in that mm-hmm. way. Right. So that's something I'm very fortunate about. And one of the things I keep telling everyone that I think one of my biggest privileges in life is that I don't carry any debt from my family. Right. I'm like debt free in that way. Right. But on the second side, one of the things that I was very conscious about from day one of college was that the day I graduate, like I have to be completely on my own. Uh, okay. So zero dependence from family. Yeah. For me, that was my way to get, uh, like to isolate from myself from any kind of family pressure to do things I want to do, right? Because finances are a big source of control. Not that I'm saying that, you know, my parents want to control me, but I'm just saying that that yeah. was a mental model that I had. Yeah. 
but i mean it has both sides right so for example if you if you mm. were if you belong to that category where finance was finances were not really like a topic yeah. of discussion then yeah. typically you are also like set to a specific bar and um people mm-hmm. around you they would expect you to at least be at that bar or probably get above it like typically yeah. that's how the society and people around you think about right and Absolutely. i don't know if your parents like what was their thought process were, were yeah. they also like no samar do you have to do something which you where, where so you know so my parents don't know how much money i make mm. right and i am like very particular about it because i'm like uh, <laughs> like you know it's always uh, you know i feel like a bad kid but <laughs> i know that because you know then this comparisons will begin yeah right yeah. you know what my cousins are making what my neighbors are making yeah. what my father's friends kid is making so mm. like i'm like why do you need to know i mm. mean it's uh, <laughs> as long as you know i i pay my rent you huh. know i live alone right i do whatever i want i buy you know and i i live a fairly comfortable life so it's yeah. not like i'm not a miser and i'm not like <laughs> thinking about money all the time so like what is the point yeah i know so i i just want to like tell you an incident from my life basically yeah. i belong to like my parents they um, i would say they are they are overprotective from and mm-hmm. typically in india i say i would say all parents are overprotective right they want you to to lead a better life than what they have been yeah. able to for themselves yes so uh, my mom she was obviously like very uh, she was like okay you have to do this and you have to do this and you know you have to do well and blah blah, blah like right. every the the normal thing um and there and so when i was a kid i used to think that my mom is like um somebody who always does the right thing you know she's the mm. like i have to listen to her she's the right person she's the uh, i don't know source of truth okay right right um and now uh, like uh, i think a year back i was speaking to my mom and she was like you know what i made a mistake and then she told me what mistake mm. she made it was a small thing um i made a mistake and this was, and then it it hit me then <laughs> that my mom could have been wrong you know i right. mean as a kid when i when i was growing up i never could think that you know my mom could be could be wrong mm-hmm. like whatever she's saying maybe i can question it maybe i can contradict it maybe i can have a different uh, opinion as compared to what she has and and we can exist together that's yeah. possible yeah. that was not how i used to think and Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was like, and it hit me so hard, and I was like, yeah. why did I never do that? It's not that yeah. I'm unhappy or something, but it's yeah. just that I should, I would have been more conscious, more aware yeah. of my own decisions and my own thoughts. Yeah. You know? Nobody said that, right? Part of growing up is to realize that our parents can be wrong, <laughs> right? Because they're human beings, and no human being is perfect, right? Yes. Of so course. I think that is a crucial factor there. let's now get into your professional uh life there is a lot of stereotyping that has happened around uh, journalists right and and when you say you want to become a journalist i mean typically like my father and and that generation would have thought okay you're going to wear like a pajama kurta pajama and you'll have like a bag yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but Jola, do you see like Jola. that <laughs> yeah yeah but do you see uh do you see that thing changing because where i'm coming from so um i mm-hmm. have a few friends who who are in the lawyer uh, profession yeah. and i think you are the only person i know who who's in the journalism area and um my experience has been that that you guys are like really intellectual that you are really well read that you really no to be honest that you're really well read and that 
you know you just don't have opinion for the sake of discussions like you know societal discussions but rather uh holding a deeper meaning like really believing in those things right so uh i am just not trying to butter you up but basically no 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 okay okay um, can i say something know? yeah of course <laughs> of course so i okay see see again <laughs> the more you keep talking to me about journalism you know i'll i have a lot of thoughts on the profession but <laughs> i wish what you were saying was true really yeah that's not the case uh most journalists are so busy in their day to day jobs that they don't really get time to think about the big picture or you know reading books or you know like basically thinking so mm. okay let's make it more concrete okay also helpful for anyone who wants wants to be a career in journalism mm. they i think there are three crucial things that makes for a good journalist okay one is reporting mm. if you are a reporter and i am a reporter so that's the frame i'll talk about where reporting is how do you get information out from someone there is a lot of information out there in the world that people don't want to tell you but still you want to get it out from them because it matters right or for your understanding so how do you build sources how do you get inside a company and get 15 people to talk to you which their management doesn't want you to talk about right so mm-hmm. that you get to the truth right mm-hmm. so that's one part reporting how do you even find this people right where do you go how do you find data how do you find documents mm-hmm. that's a skill that you build over time mm-hmm. right how do you get to the truth second part is writing or like whatever i am a writer so i'm i'll talk in that frame how do you take this big bunch of information process it and communicate very clearly what you have found out mm-hmm. in a conven- in a in interesting way you know it should not like try to be interesting right that's the second part and the third part is where i think and that's my view uh, where i think a lot of pieces lacking which is thinking where you have which to say part? okay thinking thinking okay mm-hmm. you know you have to also think deeply mm-hmm. about okay like what is really going on i i i see a story here but is that the real story or is it something i'm missing mm-hmm. right am i looking at a s- small part of a big puzzle mm-hmm. or i am close to the solving the whole puzzle like where am i like you know what like you, you understand what i'm trying to say right mm-hmm. am i just feeding into outrage yeah uh, you know for an outrage polarized uh, citizen uh, citizenry mm-hmm. or am actually my writing is informing you know to add more nuance to whatever is happening like you know so i'm saying the third bit uh right from thinking about the stories you are working on to what mm-hmm. your work is doing i feel personally that the third bit is like really lacking in my profession that's my critique uh, of like i love journalism and i love my friends but i think we have our own blind spots and that's where i think a lot of problems start coming in so mm-hmm. the description that you gave to me <laughs> uh yeah that's why i thought that you could do better you could do better i think there's room of improvement for all the professions that there are right so um, yeah. but yeah i mean that's a thing that's a thing so i think you are indirectly agreeing to what i said because you are thinking about it in a more <laughs> deeper way than than a normal person would right <laughs> i will let you decide that <laughs> <laughs> all right samad so you are an independent journalist but you have also worked for like these big publishing houses as well right so how does the journalism um, career look like like what's the most streamlined way to get in so i don't have first hand experience of you know what's the streamlined process but generally it is that you go to a journalism school or and then you apply for a job at news organizations and you start at some position uh, you know it you know it could be a small news organization it could be a big news organization you start right at the bottom work hard and you know 
figure out opportunities and then you know build it up right stick around one organization for a while go to others things like that so that's a very so, i would say, yeah would you know like for example what is the exam that you need to get to give to get into journalism colleges like what's the degree and those kind of things i honestly have zero idea i have no clue about that also like let me just put it right away uh, and i'm calling it i have a bias against journalism colleges because i think if like some young person was to ask me for advice that they mm-hmm. want they aspire to become a journalist mm-hmm. i would strongly encourage them to not study journalism and you know study something <laughs> like maybe economics uh, po- like history whatever like mm-hmm. become good at a subject rather than like learning journalism in class because you become a good reporter and editor when you do your job so i mean and again this is my bias i think that journalism degree doesn't really add value that much to what you learn but of course i have to concede that it might give you a pathway uh, mm. to basically get an entry so that's a trade off all right so how does a profession look like and and tell me first tell me uh, how was your experience when you were working with this with these big publishing houses yeah. like how, how did the job look like on a regular basis yeah. and then mm. what, how is it different from you being an independent jo- journalist mm-hmm. so okay so i worked one year at the hindu mm-hmm. i spent two years at the hindu sun times i have spent two months at the tv channel india today so i've mm-hmm. also know like how tv works i was very curious to look at it from the inside mm-hmm. and i worked for a fellowship for five months in new york at the wall street journal with their investigative reporting team okay. so i think uh, those shorter durations these like like being at four big organizations really give me a flavor of what one can really expect in quote unquote big media where where do i fit in where do i not fit in mm. and um, that kind of led me to move to an independent role so give to give you a day to day sense i think i had a great time at all of these organizations because these all of them if you see their institutions in the sense that uh, you know hindu hd these are newspapers that like they've been existed like since pre independence and they were mm. instrumental to india's you know nationalist movement back in the day so on a day to day basis what happens like you begin the day there's a morning meeting where editors and journalists they come they discuss okay what are the things that are going to happen in the day what are the big issues that happened yesterday you know there's this free flowing meeting you discuss ideas you think about okay what stories we need to work on what others have done so and then um, yeah samad so i just sure. one thing before before you get into yeah. details so mm. in journalism as well like everybody would be working on an on a specific area right for example you would have somebody working on criminal uh, news yeah. somebody working mm-hmm. on i don't know politics like those kind of things right or mm-hmm. does everybody work on everything and no, then no, you no. specialize so, okay. yeah okay so that's what you just described is called a beat okay mm-hmm. so you call that you have a specific beat in journalism you can have a crime beat you can have like a bjp beat you can have the finance ministry right mm. so you have defined areas where where you focus on So and do you choose both... this right from the beginning or okay okay so two things here one i'll tell you about general and then i'll tell you about myself so in general when you begin your careers you don't really have a choice in the sense okay. that a beat is assigned to you. okay mm-hmm. right so it's more of that if then what happens like say you're assigned on the crime beat and then you do it for 5 6 years then you would want to you know it's almost like i would say considered a hierarchy that every new reporter like kind of like would start with covering crime or you know municipality etc etc like or will cover the city state before going to national right so it's almost 
uh, I mean, I don't think it's written down like in rules somewhere, mm-hmm. but it's kind of the norm. In a yeah, way I mean, happens. they increase your exposure like slowly and gradually, right? Exactly, right? Again, the difference here with me was that when I entered, right, I've never had like a fixed uh, beat, so to say. So I was kind of in the initial parts, kind of doing a lot of different things at the same time. Hmm. And then there was a phase for almost two years where I focused a lot on technology, politics, and policy, the intersection of these things, these three sectors and mm-hmm. how it impacts our society, right? So everything from like uh, uh, data privacy, uh, social media platforms, misinformation, propaganda, all of these things, privacy, all of these mm-hmm. things came where for two years, I really focused and did a lot of in-depth reporting in this sphere. But it's something, so I kind of was privileged enough that I got to choose this. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm saying that it's it depends on how your trajectory is going and what you get to cover. Is it like a uh, travel-intensive job? Depends on what you're covering. Really depends on, uh, you know, like if you are covering the finance ministry, right? Mm. Then your travel is basically, you have to go to like you know, the ministry, meet bureaucrats and that kind of, you know, do, do more of that. But if yeah. you are, uh, if you are a rural affairs supporter, right, then you have to like travel more. So mm. it really depends on uh, what your job is. If you're a crime reporter, then you have to, and you're covering Delhi, for example. Then mm-hmm. you have to be like all over the city on any given day. So yeah. it really depends on uh, where you are placed in the news. Okay. And then so being a journalist, basically, would you say that you have a very, very good possibility of being well connected in the society? Like, for example, if you are, I don't know, dealing with finance ministry, you'll have connections in the finance ministry. If you're dealing with uh, criminal uh, cases and you'll have connections with, for example, police officers or um, I don't know. lawyers judges like those kind of things right i don't like to actually generalize anything about this profession because Mm. it's really i mean i mean uh yeah i mean it's it's really about like i'll give you an example concrete example right this whole thing about connections that you just mentioned right Mm. that makes me very deeply uncomfortable to me personally Mm. right Mm. that because why and it may change in the future it may change in the future so but at this moment i just feel that this sub it's a very tricky distinction between what kind of distance do you maintain from the people that you cover? Mm, okay. Right? Mm. Right? Yeah. And that yeah, okay. sense mm. of, you know, being connected to the powerful when in one way we say our job is to hold the powerful accountable. Mm. You know, this cognitive dissonance is something that I don't know <laughs> how to deal with. But yeah, uh, uh, what yeah. you said, I think is is kind of like, it's true. Yeah. I just I I also feel like like now that you're talking I also feel that I'm being critical about this particular profession because also because I I know nothing on to be very mm. honest I know nothing about journalism as such right so um so I think I, I am basically deriving my opinions from what I have seen uh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that's so maybe I'm just being a little more critical but tell me um so what is the thing that you really like about this profession so i mean mm-hmm. you've told your story about you know mm. i think you've already answered this question to begin with mm. uh, but if if there's something specific that people can look forward to um in this particular profession and what is the most challenging part of uh, of this profession mm-hmm. okay okay um <laughs> so for me i can tell you so i am actually i'm so glad that I am a journalist and I get to do what I do mm. because I think I basically get paid to learn new things about the world and tell it to others, mm. right? Like how many other professions 
allow you to do that for the public. Right? It's not that like I have friends who are like excellent consultants, they do great work, but they will prepare their report and give it to the client, right? What I mm. do is for mass consumption in a way. Mm. And it's also, you know, as I told you earlier, I was always interested in public affairs. So that sense of being an active citizen, that mm. I also really enjoy that, you know, that mm. to really think about the world, you know, learn new things. Mm. And um, I think, yeah, so all of that to do, to get to do that on a day-to-day basis, mm. that is something I really enjoy. Second, uh, and that's a very conflicting point, but for me, the reason I still continue to be a journalist is that, is that I really value independence of thought a lot, mm. right? I mean, that for me is so significantly important for any knowledge worker that I can think for myself and write and publish what I'm finding. Okay. And uh, uh, the last thing was how, what's the most challenging part or the most not beautiful part of the profession? Like, it's, it's almost like choosing this career is in a way getting into financial hardship for a while, like they will, your annual increment would be less than the rate of inflation. So you're almost Mm. getting paid, you know, and the kind of excuses people make, it's Mm. almost like, you know, uh, yeah. So, you know, at some point you start feeling that, um, which is a lot of people leave. If you see a lot Mm. of talented people in journalism, if they get a chance to do something else, Mm. they leave because of all the things that I just mentioned. Yeah. Right. So that, so I, lot if like a 20 year old today asks me that like if they should pursue a career in journalism, this is the first thing I tell them. That it's not that you can't be by yourself or well enough, mm. but you have to be conscious of the fact that compared to most of the professions, uh, like money is a thing that you'll probably struggle with at some point. Mm. It's, it's, it's okay. very challenging in that way. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the whole idea of us talking about journalism as a profession is that people who are seeking to become journalists, you know, they get an idea yeah. of how it looks like. Um, yeah, yeah, and for yeah. now, I mean, for now, we're talking about the hardships, you know, um, but but how I understand it is that there is a lot of exposure. There's a lot of possibility of learning. Yeah. There's a possibility of being of of um, reaching out to masses and really addressing those issues that affect a lot of people. So those are like the things that you should yeah. be really passionate about if you want to get into journalism. See, again, just think from the base, right? Journalism is not just a, another business, right? If you think about it. I mean, it is a business in a sense, but ultimately it's the fourth pillar of democracy. There is a reason why it's called the fourth state. Right. So it's, I mean, that I think even for me, right, the reason why I really love what I do for, I find a lot of meaning in this show. Hmm. So many good stories are broken day in, day out. It's because some journalist somewhere yeah. is putting a lot of effort to get you that story. Right? Yeah. I mean, you have so to I think be driven. You have, that I feel. You have yeah. to be driven. Yeah. Yes. You have to be driven to sustain the bullshit that comes with this profession. Yes. So if you know that the bullshit will be in your way, right, then you'll be prepared. That's why I said hmm. all of that. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a of, there's a higher yeah. higher meaning to this whole profession. Like, for example, uh, the same thing applies to medical profession, for example, where you are also right. um, doing things for the society. But but unlike journalism, you get paid a lot. Hmm. <laughs> All right, Samad, I think I think we can keep going on, but just in uh, in in respect of the time that we have, and um, hmm. you mentioned uh, something in the in the questions that I sent you earlier, and you there was like. I wanted to understand like what are one or two values that drive you and we've spoken about this also indirectly in during the conversation but would you like to kind of dwell a little more into when you say that 
the world is the world is fundamentally random not deterministic and you should focus on the process not the outcome um <laughs> would you kind of try to um throw a little more light and so that you know this thought process generally helps people around because i think this is a very very powerful uh message yeah sure so i think um so i am a hardcore statistics nerd that's important for you to know it right <laughs> i uh you know math probability statistics is something i do a lot mm-hmm. and what happens and i think that's where it came from when you start looking at the world to the lens of probabilistic outcomes right then you and you look at your own journey mm. then you know everything starts connecting i told you in the beginning i was planning i was never planning to become a journalist mm. it was some series of accidents nothing planned that led me to this profession right mm. if i had not gone to that hackathon that i told you about right i would not have probably not have been a journalist i would have probably been, i would hope doing something interesting Mm. in another profession but i would not have been a journalist it was a chance event a mm. chance event that changed the trajectory of my career and my life right mm. in hindsight of course if i want i can tell you a nice story right oh <laughs> i was so passionate you know i did campus journalism this happened this happened but that's a story yeah you know that's not it was not planned so once you so that when i started connecting these things and looked at okay what were the critical points that mm. shaped how i think about the world and what i did what chances i got mm. i started seeing so many chance events that shaped everything i did yeah right so that's where it came from so this is how i look at the world that at any given point there could be like say 100 possibilities of what things could have been and we are just experiencing one reality there could yeah. have been 99 and others with the same effort you know with the same person with everything else being constant just being small changes here and there so you when you get into that mindset right then the world looks very differently because mm. you say okay uh i am doing if something great happens right you break a big story you get a great job uh, you know something really interesting happens then you're like ha huh, interesting but and i did put in effort but there's a lot of effort of luck here right so that's one way to think about it and the second is if something goes really bad then also you have the same framework that you know things are fine because i could have been in uh, there could be another trajectory or another thread where i could have been placed and then you see you know even in terms of when i say things are random so again if you have a probabilistic outlook towards the world you think about okay in general what is the most likely thing to happen mm. and what is the thing that's you know very less likely but the probability of something happening is not enough it's also about the you have to multiply it by its impact right mm. for example something could be very low probability but in case that happens you know the consequences would be like catastrophic like a pandemic mm. so that's what a probabilistic view to think about the world rather than this is what is supposed to happen rather mm. than a series of random events and probabilistic outcomes just to you yeah. Yeah. that even if you're taking risky bets you know that you know it could go actually very bad and mm. you are comfortable with it so all yeah. of this really helps you navigate uncertainty right and i think uncertainty is something that really is uncomfortable for a lot of us right and how mm. do you deal with mm. the future when you don't know what's going to happen yeah so that probabilistic outcome actually helps me process it and make peace with random things that happen all the time because that is how i think the world is and i also say last point on this i have zero interest like in my profession to be like an excellent journalist by the age of 30 i am optimizing for what my work would be when i'm like 50 
right? So I play long-term games. So that way, you know, small things here and there, or like, you know, people are winning awards, people are writing books, whatever they're doing, how many retweets they're getting, all of that actually is immaterial. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, actually simplifies decision-making Yeah. to say that, you know, have like a really good process, yes. work on it, and then trust it that things will be nicer. So that's yeah. how I think about my decision-making process. I think that's a very good approach. Like, like typically, I think most of the stress that we are, uh, and as you mentioned, like if you belong to the elite class, uh, if yeah. you have those skills, if you are, you know, uh, if, if basically you can do whatever you want to do, uh, a lot of stress is coming from the fact that, you know, 30 under 30, being 30 under mm. 30, or being a partner by the age of, I don't know, 35, 40. You know? yeah. I mean, we are kind of setting bars, which are kind of short term. So if you look at, uh, and and this is very applicable for, for example, I'm bringing a different topic, which we will not talk about because it's a, it's sure. a very, very big yeah. topic. But basically, for example, for females, like uh, mm. people that I belong to, the group that I belong to, um, a lot of females, they cannot think of, you know, um, going forward with expanding the families because, because mm. if you have a baby, then your professional goals are, have to be kind of a, pushed ahead right and then and then it just creates more stress than there should be so um I think that's a very good approach that you think long term like uh from a long-term perspective like for me for example I also want to be like a um like really good in the area that I am in right now like be really knowledgeable in that area and be able to I don't know, help companies do whatever I'm doing right now. So so basically, I think if you have a long-term goal, I think that is much more easier to, I feel like it's much more easier to achieve as well because you have more time and you are you are giving yourself that um, cushion for small, for, for shorter, smaller things that will happen because obviously you cannot control things in your life, right? There will be yeah. things that will not happen as per what you plan. So if you provide that cushion to yourself, it's it's just easier for for that particular person uh, in general. Okay, so much. So, um, I think I think I can keep talking to you, but um, let's let's close this with the last question that I'm really really curious about. So, you said that you are born and brought up in Delhi and you've worked here, but you have moved to Missouri. Uh, yes. How did that decision come in and, you know, how are you liking it? Very quickly, if you can just throw some light on that particular part. Super quickly. Yes, yes, yes. So I've been living in Missouri for the last 14 months now and I have no plans to go away from this stunningly beautiful town. See, I think uh, you realize when you come to a small town and again, because I grew up in a you know, big metropolitan city, is that, uh, I don't know, it's, it's so therapeutic. Every morning I wake up, look at the mountains, have my coffee clean air, go for a walk, right? Mm. My mind is so free of all the, you know, city is not just about like uh, big infrastructure or, you know, like facilities. It also introduces a lot of social burden on you. At least that's somehow you feel about being noticed or being conscious about things. Mm. Abstractly, it just happens. In mountains, everything just goes away. (laughs) So for me, you know, I mean, every day when I go for my walk, Mm. you know, uh, it, it just like, like I have what I call zero thought moments. Uh, on a regular basis where like my mind is completely free like Mm. I can stare at a hill and I have like like my mind is blank right Mm. I am not thinking about anything so once you experience that state it's just I don't know how to describe it it's just like mind-blowing and yeah uh, my life has literally changed in terms of how I think about stuff what experience on a daily basis 
and i also think that mountains make you humble because you look at like this big structure and you think you're so tiny you know so like like what the hell you know just stay yeah. in your limits do your work and enjoy so yeah that's i don't know yeah. uh, i really love hair in the mountains this has been uh, i mean i think you've been brave enough to take this decision right away like when you are even still younger and you know you can build a life here um uh, but this has been like our retirement plan <laughs> to so to this, yeah this so i was meeting a source one of the, for, i was studying an article interviewing someone there's a scientist and i think she was 60 61 hmm. and you know i was meeting her at a blue tokai in delhi i was in delhi at the time and hmm. i told ma'am i don't live here you know so i'm just here so please meet me and she was like what the hell you are doing things that people of my age do like <laughs> have you given up on life i'm like no ma'am this is exactly what we need to break that yeah. you know you I, like we are talking on zoom i have like high speed 200 mbps internet here i have amazon delivering me any book or any stuff i want i have everything i need for my day to day life right outside my house mm-hmm. so in terms of a limited life and everything that you need you have mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. it's just the city has access mm-hmm. right so there's nothing missing here of course mm-hmm. there are no economic opportunities for locals right and my job allows me to be here if yeah. i was for example a consultant or you know my job required me to be in the office of course i can't do that so yeah despite like i really love being here there's also a privilege of the work that i do that allows mm. me to be remote and stay here and do what i do yeah but uh, <laughs> so you always talk about one more perk of journalism oh, of independent yeah. of being an independent of independent. being a freelance <laughs> yeah so see, let's end it <laughs> let's end it this way okay so my you know what i optimize for on a day to day basis is that mm. i think like i want to do interesting things every single day right mm. and i think what i consider like i talked about money problems right but i think for me wealth is whether i can control my time right mm. people who can control what they do with their time are the wealthiest people and i think at this point given like whatever i have i have a great control on what i like how i want to like structure my day and weeks mm. and months mm. and like that's my north star and it's brilliant that i can do it right so that will for me journalism and everything i do is like totally ticked off so that yeah. <laughs> uh, and i feel very fortunate that uh, i'm in that position i hope samarth that you that you have abundance of this richness that you're talking about forever in your life you know i, I mean, hope it's... i hope <laughs> thank you so much for your time samarth it was wonderful discussing things with you thank you for having me thank you so much